Amen. Thanks, Doug. Thanks, Brenna. Good morning. Happy Easter. It is great to be here with you to celebrate this morning. It's so good to see you here in these seats, to see the people down in the sanctuary and online. We're so glad you're here. Uh, Yesterday, I was dead. And today, I'm alive. And I'm not talking about my basketball bracket. That was dead after the first weekend, like most of yours, right? Just dead on arrival. No, I'm talking about the resurrection of Jesus. Well, we've come here to celebrate today. Yesterday, we were dead. We were separated from God. We were without hope. But that was then. And this is now. Because of Jesus' resurrection, today's a new day. Today, we're alive. Today, we're together with God. Today, we have hope, not just for ourselves and for our future, but for the future of our broken world. I was reminded real recently of my need for resurrection. It was just a few weeks ago. I was on a Zoom. Probably don't even need to say more than that, right? (laughs) The need of a resurrection. But I'm on a Zoom with our staff, and I'm sitting in my office. I'm on my computer. And I reach for my water bottle, and I don't know how it happened, but all of a sudden, my very full water bottle is spilling all over my keyboard on my laptop. And the thing goes black and dies immediately, just boom. Now, fortunately, Carter Moore and Johnny Rogers were able to capture that beautiful freeze frame of your face when things go wrong uh, on Zoom, and um, this gruesome and horrifying <laughs> death. That is the face of death right there. I quickly summoned Alex Fraking, the god of technical support here at Orchard Hill Church, and uh, he began like, uh, like going to town on CPR, trying to resuscitate my computer. He tore the back panel off, he's got fans on it, he's drying the whole thing, and, and I'm like, oh, I hope this works. And he comes to me a couple hours later and he says, doesn't look good. I think she's gone. I, I, all I can think of, I'm like desperate because I had been working hard for like several weeks on a couple projects that were nearly done and I haven't backed up in three months. And so I'm desperate. So I run the thing over to iTech, you know, I said, take it to iTech. So I take it to iTech and they say, well, come back and come back. Actually, they call me a day later and they say, we've done everything we can. And she's gone. All right, you can come pick up the body when you're ready. So I go and I pick up the computer, and I'm not ready to give up. I actually come home, and even all these exports, I I plugged it in and tried to turn it on. Like, maybe it just needs more time. And it doesn't start up. And so, seriously, I I laid my hands on my laptop, and I prayed. Seriously. And instantly, it started back up. No, it didn't. It didn't. (laughs) But wouldn't that have been cool? No, it was dead. And, and, and I was just left with this sick pit in my stomach, like all that lost work, all that time, all the data, the expense. And suddenly it was like, I'm the one in need of a resurrection. See, I think some of you have, have been there before, that dread, that despair, that, that hopelessness. Some of you may find yourselves there right now. Or at least you know there are moments And there are days, and sometimes there are even seasons. And it's not your hard drive that needs a miraculous recovery. It's it's you. Maybe someone's poured water on your dreams. 
or maybe uh, like your passion has just been taking you by things that have been happening, happening outside of your control. Or maybe it's a friendship or your marriage that's in need of a resurrection. The last year has been so hard on friendships and on marriages, hasn't it? Or maybe it's your faith in God or, or your, your hope in people for a better life. You know, just, to, just your hope in humanity needs to be restored. I think that all the negativity and the fear and the pain, all that stuff we've been fed in the last year, maybe has dampened our faith and our hope and what we really need. It's our faith, our trust in Jesus. It's, it's our hope for a better life with each other that's in need of a resurrection. Today, Jesus invites us to experience exactly that. He invites us to rise with him. Yesterday, we were dead, but today, we're alive. Yesterday, we were isolated and alone, but today, we're together. We're with God. Yesterday, we were hopeless, but today is full of hope. That's Paul's message about the power of Jesus' resurrection. The apostle Paul met the resurrected Jesus, and it completely changed his life. And he said it was the, it was the resurrection, it was the power that brought Jesus back to life is what completely transformed him. And then he claimed that that same power, that power that brought Jesus back to life, that power is at work in everyone who trusts Jesus. And that is a huge, huge claim. And so I joined Paul in praying that in our time this morning, maybe we can come to understand just a little bit better about how we might live with that resurrection power in us. So I want you to listen to how Paul actually explains this in a letter to his friends. He writes this. He says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. All of us, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we all were by nature deserving of wrath. We were pitted against God by our sin. But, but... Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And just in case you didn't hear that, Paul says a few verses later, let me say that again. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. We're all familiar with before and after pictures, right? I think, you know, when we think about this time we've been through last year, like COVID, like before uh, school went online, a lot of moms were like, like Mary Poppins. And after school went online, <laughs> a little more like Miss Hannigan. Right? We know what the shutdown and being quarantined and everything has done to our bodies and to save us the, the gruesomeness of seeing our own bodies. It's also happening in the animal kingdom, evidently. Before quarantine, after quarantine. See, before and after pictures, they tell a story, don't they? And, and Paul is giving us before and after pictures that tell our story. 
And, and, and it's, it's only when we stop and look at both the before and after that we understand how incredible the after is, how amazing and in our case, inspiring, actually, the after is. And so this morning, I want us to look at three quick before and after pictures in Paul's story. And the first thing he says is, is that before the resurrection, we were dead. And after the resurrection, we are alive. And he's talking not about physical death and life. He's talking about spiritual death and life. But more on that in, in just a minute. Second thing he wants us to know is that we were dead in sin, but we are made alive again by God's grace. Our sin caused us to be enemies of God. It put us against God, but God saved us by his grace. And then we were dead in our works. There was nothing we could do. It's not something that we did or we could earn, but we are restored now with beauty and with purpose. We're brand new creations, not created uh, uh, for uh, by good works, but, but for a good and beautiful work. So let's look at each of these in a little bit more detail. First, we were dead, but now we are alive. It's kind of weird, and, and, it's, and it can be hard to understand, but one of the greatest hopes and comforts that followers of Jesus have is that when we die, our bodies will actually be raised to new life, to a physical resurrection, just like Jesus was. And I think this really matters. Uh, when my dad passed away in January, it could have been completely devastating, right? Uh, to see how dementia had just robbed the life from his mind and his body and you know, arthritis, all this other stuff. Completely devastating. But we were sad, but we also celebrated because we trust Jesus when he said that he would be raised again to new life. And not just raised to new life, but he would be completely restored. And see, I believe that my dad is actually more himself now than he ever was. There's no more dementia. There's no more crippled body or anything. He is more himself today than he ever was. And I celebrate that with incredible joy. Our physical resurrection really matters when we face death. But Paul is actually talking about spiritual resurrection spiritual life and death. He says we were dead while we were living. Did you catch that? He says you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live. So while we were living, we were dead. Paul says before the resurrection, right, the way we lived actually led us away from the life of God. Following evil, the ways of the world, our selfish desires, things like arrogance, our anger, lust, things that we see all around us and inside us separated us from God. And as a result of our sin, God had to look away from us. He had to turn away from us. We were without God in our lives. We were without hope. In fact, Paul goes so far as to say we were pitted against God as his enemies. We didn't realize it, but we were spiritually dead. And isn't it just like the walking dead to not, uh, to think that they're alive, to not realize that they're without life. They've been separated from God. And Paul's trying to remind us again of our before story. How our sin cost us our relationship with God. So we were without hope. We were dead. 
And the thing I like about Easter is we get to be reminded every year. We get to look at the death of Jesus and his resurrection. As I look at the death, I'm convinced as I look at the death of Jesus that, that spiritual death is far worse than physical death. When we look at Jesus and we look at the words that he cried out in anguish from the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why did you turn your face away from me? Because the moment that our sin was placed on him, his father had to turn away from his son and turn away from our sin. And Jesus felt the separation and it was unbearable for him. These are the last words he spoke as he died on the cross. See, spiritual death, living outside of the gaze and the life of Jesus is far worse than, than physical death. And that's our fate before the resurrection. But that was yesterday. That was before Jesus was raised from the dead. God not only raised Jesus, but Paul says, God raised us also up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. God raised us up with Jesus, seated us in the heavenly realms. That's kind of weird. Like, you're all sitting right here. People are sitting at home on their couches. They're part of, like, heavenly realms, what's that all about? Paul's clearly talking about something spiritual here, some new reality for us. And I think what Paul is saying is that, that our relationship and our connection with God has been completely restored. We've been raised with Christ. Today is a new day. And Paul gets so excited about this, he says it in a number of ways. Later in this chapter, in this letter to his friends, he's like, hey, you were foreigners, you were strangers, you were excluded, you were separated, but now, now you have been brought near. You are citizens of God's kingdom. You are members of his household. You are seated with him. You are part of God's family. This is an incredible before and after story. And we wonder, well, what did these people do to, to create this kind of change, to go from being excluded and strangers to being members of the family? Was it like a six to eight week training program? Just perfect for me. I'll be a lean, mean fighting machine. Paul says, no. They did nothing. It was all done by God's grace. And this is... My second point, and Paul really wants us to get that our before and our after picture was done completely by God and God alone. In fact, Paul repeats himself in this passage, right? He says right away, it was by grace you have been saved. And then again, a few verses later, for it is by grace, by grace, the gift of God that you've been saved. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works. We are made fully alive by nothing other than the generous gift of God's grace. I think for many of us, life's been testing us lately. Maybe for some of us, our faith has been found a little wanting. Maybe we're feeling a little worn down or a little beat up. I want to encourage you, if that's you, that your lack of faith does not diminish God's grace. For you. 
Some of you may be wrestling with, with guilt or you're buried in sin or shame or you're just tired or you're feeling condemned by some mistakes or some failures. And you just need to know, you need to be reminded that your failures or your sin or your shame, that none of that, that nothing, nothing disqualifies you from receiving God's grace. Whether this is the first time we've heard this or the 951st time that we've heard this, we all need to be reminded that when our faith is in short supply, God's grace to us is still abundant. So Paul's saying we are saved by grace through faith. By grace through faith. But see, the problem is I think that many of us get the order messed up. I think we hear that we are saved by faith through grace. And we reverse it, right? We, we switch the order. And the order, I think, is really important. Because when we think it's by faith that we're saved, then, then we work harder. And we try more. We think we need to learn more. We think we need to do more or do less of something. And in short, we have to have more faith. And more faith's good. But then we, all of a sudden we wonder, why am I not experiencing more life after I've been working so hard to grow my faith? How many times do I fall into this cycle? Paul simply says, you got it backwards. You don't have to muster the faith to power through life. Receive God's grace again through faith. Grace, God's gift given out of his kindness. God's grace given because he loves us. God's grace makes us fully alive, both now and forever. See, grace is the force given through faith to increase our capacity for life in Christ. Grace is that power, it's that force given to us through faith to increase our capacity for life in Christ. Jesus invites us to be made alive again and again by God's grace through faith, to receive that power of his resurrection every day. And that order really matters. I went to Walmart the other day. <laughs> and uh, I don't know about you, but when I go to Walmart, my goal is get in, get out as fast as I can. And so I go, I grab all my stuff, get to the checkout line, self-checkout, boom, $64. I put my chip in the chip reader, declined. Pull it out, stick it in there again, declined again. So I swipe the card, declined. And the clerk comes over and says, you're in a cash-only lane. My goal is like complete. I'm like, like what? Like, I don't have $64. I'm like, who, cash-only? What kind of lane is that? I'm like, where does it say that? You know, and I'm like, I'm looking all over it, and she's just on the screen, and I'm looking, it's like, you mean up there in that really small letter on the corner? She says no, and she clicks back to another screen, she says, right, right there, that big half the screen, no card payments, that means no, that means cash only. I'm like, in my hurry, right, in my desire to get in and get out to, to, to meet my own goals, I had missed these signs that could have led to a better outcome, and my transgression landed me in Walmart hell. <laughs> Some of you have been there before. I, but it didn't only mess me up, it messed up everybody 
behind me in line. It had messed up the staff because now they sent a staff over. I had to follow this other person to another cash register, and she had to enter in every one of my items by hand into that cash register. And I didn't realize it at the time, but like, uh, uh, I just, all I could do was stand there and sulk. Like, wow, my day's been ruined. I got to wait in line. And, and, and I couldn't even make eye contact with her. I certainly wasn't getting any life in this moment, and I wasn't sharing any life with anybody around me. And, and so she finishes up, she says, uh, $66. When I rang it up, it was $64. But I don't want to look cheap, and I'm in a hurry. And so she says, is that right? I say, close enough. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, I didn't quite say it like that, but I'm like, she could tell, like, it wasn't right. And so, but she immediately could pick up on it, and she found it like that. She found the error and she corrected it right away. And she rings me up and I pay. And then she hands me my receipt and she looks at me and she says, thank you. And she has this big smile. She was so kind. And she hands me and says, and I'm so sorry you had to wait. Like I did not deserve the kind of help I got or the kind of kindness that she showed me. And her grace in that moment, it shifted something in me. Like it woke me up to realize how I was acting. And all I could do was I, I, is all of a sudden just respond and say, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for messing up your whole system. And then she gives me more grace. She says, no, our computers have been messed up all week, as if that had anything to do with me getting in the wrong line. <laughs> Here's the point. If a little grace from someone working at Walmart can produce this kind of before and after in me, what can the grace of God extended to us accomplish in our lives? What might be accomplished by accepting God's grace and sharing it with others? How much more might our families come alive, our marriages, our work? What kind of before and after stories might God right in our churches and in our communities. I'm not 100% sure, but I know I want to be part of that. Like, I don't want to be grumpy Walmart guy. <laughs> I want to be part of this big story. See, grace, grace is that force given through faith to increase our capacity for life with Christ. This is what we're created for. This is the beautiful purpose that we're invited to be part of. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. But we are God's handiwork. We're his masterpiece, his artwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Again, we, it's my third point. It's not by our works. We were dead in our works before the resurrection, but now we've been created. We're new creations for a good work, for beauty, and purpose. And what I'm learning is that in order to be part of this restoration that God's doing, to do uh, the good works and be part of God's handiwork, I need a resurrection every day, at least every time I go to Walmart. <laughs> and the truly good news is that since we've been raised with Jesus and we've been seated and we're full members of his household, we have access to God's abundant grace unlimited access to God's abundant grace. And one of the ways I'm learning 
to receive God's grace is through prayer. And I've never been a great prayer. Uh, It always feels kind of like a one-sided conversation to me, or it has. And I'm not a great conversationalist, so that's a little bit hard. I I read stories about Jesus, how he prayed through the night, or I hear people, they wake up at 3 in the morning, and they pray for hours, and I always wonder, what are they talking about? Some of you maybe wonder the same thing. For the last several weeks, I've been trying something new. I've been, I've been asking God some specific questions, and then I've been trying to just listen and actually listen with my heart. And I'm asking him questions like, God, where was my, my best self in the last 24 hours? And where was I maybe not at my best? God, what were some of the significant moments that you were inviting me into? And what were you actually inviting me into? What were you trying to, to show me or teach me? And I'm learning that a lot of significant moments are really small things, like trips to Walmart, that God wants to process with me. Not so he can shame me, not so he can condemn me, but so that he can show me opportunities that I may be missing out on the grace that he's bringing to me, so that I might increase my capacity for his life and add more life to others in the process. Instead of leaving me in an endless cycle of of mistakes and failures and sin and shame and walking away from God, he's inviting me to receive grace, to grow that capacity, to hold more resurrection power and life. And I believe God wants that for all of us. So maybe this is something that you'd like to try as well. God has seated you with Jesus as a member of his household. It's like you're sitting at dinner with him. What kind of conversation would you like to have? What are the significant moments in your day? What what might God be inviting you into in these moments? And how might the moments where you were and you weren't your best self be opportunities to receive his grace to increase your capacity for more resurrection power and life for you and for others around you? What kind of before and after story might God write in your life? Today, I encourage you to remember what we celebrate. Jesus' resurrection and ours. We were dead before the resurrection, but we are alive spiritually. We were dead in our sin, but we are made alive again by God's grace. We were dead in our works, but we are now restored with great beauty and purpose. Will you pray with me? Father, this is... uh, an incredible before and after story. And I, I, I hear it, and I, I've heard it before, and many people here who have heard it before too, but I, it still just never ceases to amaze me. I, and we just think it's too good to be true. We have to do something. We had to do something to, or, or make it work. And yet you're just, you're just saying, would you just turn to me and, and receive my grace? Let my grace make you alive through faith. God, I ask that you'd help us to consider that offer, that that today we could turn to you and we could say, God, would, would you please just give me your grace? Would you show me even where I need your grace and would you help me to receive it? And then 
Lord, that that would produce the kind of life that we need and our world so desperately needs. Make us alive again by your grace, Jesus, as we celebrate today your resurrection, your victory over death. May it be our victory as well. It's in your name we pray.